in honor of having an ugh, no, in honor of having an elementary school teacher on, we're going to play Jex. No. <laughs> in honor. Hello. It is Monday, August 10th, and after about five months off, it is finally time for teachers to head back to school. So this week we're doing a special back to school week for teachers. We are, of course, the Real Rose of Holly Springs. I'm Brandon Rhodes, joined by Joey Will, the dictionary of Timothy Chalk and the things that teachers have absolutely no use for anymore. Well, two things with what you just said. The first thing is, you know, unfortunately for everybody else, not me, I'm going to go on vacation next week and I'm going to actually miss our teacher work days. I hate to admit that out loud for all the teachers that are going to be still stuck here. So I'm not returning to school until the actual Monday that we're supposed to. So don't talk about school with me yet because I want to enjoy my vacation. Second point is we both know that I need to be walking around with a dictionary in my back pocket because one, I don't know how to spell and two, I don't know how to speak normal English and I need that dictionary at all times. So I appreciate the reference because I think it's so true to my daily life. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, no problem. I honestly, I mean, with phones and stuff and Google, I didn't know you needed a dictionary. But I know for chalk, I honestly don't know if I could be a teacher if we had to do like chalk and like chalkboards. I just like hate the feeling of chalk on my fingers so much. Uh, that, that might be a deal breaker for me. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand the infatuation that kids have with like doing the chalk on like the sidewalks and doing all this drawing and stuff like get that chalk out of my hand. I don't want the I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch multiple colors and have my hand look weird and feel weird. No, take that chalk and throw it away. Strong, strong opinions. And then also, man, I can't believe you're going out of town. Uh, you must be much more uh, prepared for the start of school than I am. I have a lot to do to get my online classroom ready for next Monday. So I will not be taking this week off. Hey, I, I, I'm going to say like, I probably shouldn't be taking the whole week off. I like, I'm going to try to prep and get stuff done before I go to Asheville. But at the end of the day, I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm going to make sure I have enough done. So that way when Monday comes and I tell my kids, this is what we're doing in Canvas through Google Classroom, because we got to have the Google Classroom set up, it's going to be there. It's going to be ready to go. And if that means it's ready to go Sunday night, then so be it. Yeah, I think I need to learn what Google Classroom is. Maybe I can use a dictionary to find that out. Um, as, <laughs> or chalk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a reminder, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at marketing underscore HSHS with all of our great podcast, con podcast content. You can also send us an email with any mailbag questions or ideas you have for us. Last week, we did our draft on the best supermarkets, which I won at 60 to 40%, which I honestly was a little surprised about. I thought your Publix-Harris-Teeter combo would be what some people were most familiar with. Well, you have to think about Holly Springs and our, our demographic a little bit, too. Like, there is a Lowe's in Holly Springs that I think a lot of people probably go to. I don't know a lot of people that have gone to a Wegmans because, like you said, one just opened near you. Um, but Wegmans is more of a like a northern thing. I know that both of us didn't have that in our our draft board, but um, a lot of people might not go to Costco or BJ's or whatever. So I think it was just a weird draft because you either go to those places or you don't. And I thought more people would have gone to Publix and Harris Teeter, 
but apparently you won again, and I just suck at drafting, but apparently you know what the town of Holly Springs likes and doesn't like. So congrats to you on another victory. That was also a pretty popular draft. I think we had more votes in that one than we've had in a draft in a while. I guess people have strong opinions about grocery stores. But a few hours, actually less than an hour after I posted the podcast, I actually went to Wegmans. Uh, and let me tell you, the hype is deserved. Uh, Wegmans was, was great. First of all, you walk right in, just an amazing produce section. Like produce sections are important to me. Uh, and Wegmans has like everything you could possibly need. Every type of fruit and vegetable, uh, pretty cheap, uh, with like good quality stuff too. And just like a massive amount of prepared food. Like honestly, like in a non-pandemic time, I could see myself going there multiple times a week just to like pick up dinner to go. Uh, just a lot of like really good stuff. And then, you know, for our high school kids listening out there, there's also a section of the store that your parents might enjoy a lot that you're not allowed in yet. Uh, but it just, all in all, I was super impressed with Wegmans. Uh, that's definitely a place that I will, that might become my new primary grocery store uh, over Harris Teeter Public. Not might, it will become my new primary grocery store. I do, I, do, uh, I do know that Miller, through our Holly Springs soccer account, definitely tweeted at us and was like, I can't believe you didn't have Wegmans in the draft board like why are you guys so stupid and both of us hadn't gone so i appreciate the fact that we were both you know being genuine about the places we've actually gone to but he has talked so much about wegmans so i really hope holly springs goes through and actually builds this wegmans and doesn't just like try to like lie to all these northern people that have transplanted down here like i want to see it i don't want to drive to Cary or morrisville to go to Wegmans. I want to go to Holly Springs. So Holly Springs, this is a call to action to you. Get this built so I can enjoy this experience. Honestly, like the sheets could be in trouble if the Spikemans gets built because the Wegmans is just, it's going to be a killer to go to, or it's going to be so great to go to just for a quick meal. Uh, so sheets could be in a little bit of trouble. But coming up next, we're going to hear from Alex Carlos, a Holly Springs graduate who's beginning her teaching career this fall after a word from our sponsor. The ultimate sign that you were the coolest kid in your elementary school class in the 1990s? A total baller, trapper, keeper, featuring characters from the latest hot movie or cartoon. I bet you thought they stopped making those. Well, they didn't. And it's not just for fourth graders to keep all their important documents organized. You can use trapper keepers to help keep your finances in order, to keep the contents of your novel safe, or, to help you organize blackmail photos of all your enemies. Travel back to a time where carrying out the largest and bulkiest thing imaginable was a great idea for a small child. Trapper Keepers, get yours today. Generally, we like to alternate in the podcast between having a guest that is a current or former student and having one that's a teacher. Well, in a podcast first, we are checking off both boxes today with this guest. Alex Carlos is a 2016 Holly Springs grad, but is about to start her first year of teaching in Pitt County after graduating from ECU. Alex, or maybe I should say Ms. Carlos, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I don't like being called Mr. Will that much, so I'm just going to stick with Alex right now and not Ms. Carlos, if that's okay. That is all good. I'll okay. answer too. Yeah, Alex, Alexandra, Carlos, Ms. Carlos, whatever combination thereof whatever works yeah so i'm gonna go with alex i don't know about you Rhodes. i don't know what yeah, you're gonna go with that's what i knew her as you know in high school so i'm probably gonna stick with that too yeah. it still is weird like when 
or like when like parents of students call me Mr. Rose, it's like, mm -hmm. are you 15 years older than me? Like, you don't need to call me like Mr. That, that's fine. Uh, or even like former students with like, even kids in school, like just Rhodes is, is fine. The Mr. is not super necessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't, I won't say Carlos. Cause I feel like I'm like in, you know, a movie uh, and, you know, asking the baby to like respond to me. If we're talking <laughs> about, you know, an inappropriate movie that we shouldn't be talking about on, on air, but. What are you talking? I don't understand the reference you're saying. The the movie, the the Las Vegas movie, the movie where they're in Las Vegas. I can't even think about it. Uh, with Bradley Cooper and The Hangover. Yeah, Hangover. The baby. Isn't the baby Carlos? I have no idea. Okay. All right. Never mind. All right. Well, you know what? Forget about that. Forget about that reference. We're going to move on. It's okay. But, Alex, yes. now that we, you know, have your first name down pat and not your second name, but... Can you go ahead and just give us a little bit of an idea about, you know, your expectations for your first teaching job? What do you think um, about, you know, getting into it, especially with COVID-19 going on? It's going to be a much different experience for you. But what are your initial thoughts about starting your teaching career? So I, I'm excited to be able to get started. I feel like um, the way that ECU sets up their program is we've got like little practicums through freshman, sophomore, junior year. And then senior year, we have a year long internship where I was going to the same school um, once a day for the whole day for the first semester and then all day every day for second semester. And so that was kind of like gearing you up for like real life. Um, and so obviously with COVID, um, my internship got cut short <laughs> and got moved online. Um, so I didn't get to do like my, what we call all days where you know I'm like the teacher um instead of co-teaching with my ct um and i don't know like it makes me kind of nervous going into like a real life classroom not having like that actual experience but um i don't know with pitt county setup so i was telling Rhodes earlier that it's like we have where there's like the plan b of kids are coming in to school on a week a week b schedule and so like i'll basically have less than half a class. Um, like I'll probably only have seven or eight kids in my classroom, but obviously like they still have to be socially distant and wear masks and have all of those like precautions as well. But I mean, I think that that'll be a good kind of dip your toe in for the school year kind of thing, even with all the extra craziness, like as far as classroom management and that kind of stuff. But I mean, I am the only new teacher on the second grade team. All the rest of the teachers that are there have been teaching at the school and just in general for like 10, 15, 20 years. So I feel like it's a good place for me to be able to get started and like learn from them. And I mean, what everybody keeps saying is it's like with COVID going on, it's everybody's a new teacher because nobody knows what the heck is going on. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. I'm just trying to, yeah, everybody's trying to be positive about it because whatever expectations we have, whatever expectations parents have, that's what like the kids are going to kind of soak up. So, I mean, trying to set off on the right foot, I guess. So it sounds like you're being very positive about it right now. <laughs> uh, and you start, I think, a week from now, next Monday. Like, yeah. so forgetting for a fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic and you're doing something, you know, for the first time, what's kind of one aspect of teaching that you're most nervous about? I think, well, there's a lot. Um, I think, I think the whole aspect of communication and like building trust with families is going to be way different than it was 
like in a normal year and normal life. Um, just because I'm not going to have the same kids in my classroom all day, every day, it's going to be like a rotation. And then I'll also have kids that are completely online, um, that I'm just sending like slides to, I guess, is my understanding. Cause again, I don't know all the answers yet. And we're a couple of weeks out. Um, but I guess one week out. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Um, but yeah, I think that that's probably going to be the biggest thing, but it's just baby steps of like, once you get in and it's like, okay, well, hi, welcome to the classroom and trying to make everybody comfortable. Like, I think that that's just, you can only start there and go up. And I think that like, as a first year teacher, that's something I'm really going to like hammer home because I want parents to trust me that it's not just like, oh, I'm just this new random person that's at the school teaching your child. Hi, like <laughs> here I am. I am recently graduated. Um, that for them to know that I have like the content knowledge and like ability to teach their kids as well as, you know, some of the veteran teachers as well. And like, hopefully that I can bring, you know, creativity and technology and like, it'll be smoother with that as well. So you're talking about making the like online remote learning pretty mm -hmm. smooth transition for the students. So kind of like walk us through what your classroom is going to look like in person and how that might defer or change when you're, obviously in remote learning. So in person, um, all of the desks are facing forward and are six feet apart. And all the kids have individual materials, like they're not gonna be able to work in groups and partners unless they are six feet apart. <laughs> um, just trying to follow like all those CDC guidelines and things. Um, I mean, like I still want to try and keep things as normal as I can with, being as interactive and moving around the room, it's just putting in place like procedures and expectations of don't touch your friends, don't take other people's stuff, all of those kinds of things. And it's just like, I feel like the normal things of don't take your friend's backpack because it's not yours, but then it's like on crack because you have to like scale it up with COVID. Um, but I mean, I think that, I don't know, my experience with going online in March with my clinical teacher, like she put me to work. So um, I feel better about like trying to create those lessons too of like taking what we're doing in the classroom. And if we're working with money or whatever, that's later in the semester, but still like working with money, then the same activities that we would be doing of like sorting coins and like practicing counting up and adding them together would be the same as like, if I took pictures and I put them in a slide and I have the kids count up and add them and put their answer in another box, like trying to make it as equal as possible. And like the pacing has to be the same too, that even those kids that are going on the AB schedule, like have to be progressing the same week to week as they would be if we were all in person. So it's not like they have a week and then it's review and a week and then review. It's like you were constantly learning as you go. And I think that that's going to be the thing of trying to keep up with that and kind of double planning, I guess, to figure out how to keep that in line and it not be like, okay, well, I'm just sitting in front of the computer and watching a YouTube video. And I guess that's all I'm learning about this, you know? So do you think that like seven-year-olds are capable of following like social distancing guidelines? Like, do you think that these kids can like keep their masks on for a school day and like not poke or bite each, I don't know what kids do, uh, and not do that to each other? Um, they will in my classroom. I am 
saying that now. Right um, <laughs> but they will because <laughs> I already have like started putting together my first couple week plans and we are doing behavior boot camp in Ms. Carlos's class of talking about <laughs> our roles and expectations and like I have been working on my cricket. I don't know if that's a thing that y'all know as male high school teachers, but it's like that like paper cutter thing um, to make like little footprints around the room of like, you need to be standing here when we're washing our hands. This is how we're going to do it. It, yeah, it's, it's going to go from Miss Carlos to like Colonel Carlos <laughs> real quick <laughs> for the first couple of weeks. But um, like, it's got to also be a process of having grace about it because yeah, they are seven. And so it's like, I have to, take that into consideration of if we've got our masks and they're like just barely above your nose, then like it's still covering your nose. That's okay. You know, as long as we're still following those rules and if my administration comes in that I'm not going to get like written up, then we're good. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think it's just, it's going to be a crackdown to be like, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. And this is why we're doing it. Cause if you just tell kids like, okay, well you have to wear a mask, then because I said so, because I said so doesn't mean anything to a seven-year-old, not really, but like if we sit down and we can talk about, okay, well, this is why we were out of school for so long and in like bite-sized kid terms too, because um, I'm not trying to give kids anxiety <laughs> in second grade, but I mean like they, they have an understanding of what's going on and I think that like if you treat them like they know what's going on, then they step up to wherever you want them to be, you know, like those high expectations, just like, I mean, in any grade, really, that it's just, you've got to kind of make it tiny person sized. <laughs> and one of the things that I'm interested in, obviously me and Rhodes are, are in our thirties. I hate to say that out loud, but we're not seven. We're, so we're, what are some, we're, we're in our early thirties. Or, or, okay. All right. Early thirties. I just turned 30. So yes, early thirties for both of us. What are some of the things that you're teaching these seven-year-olds uh, throughout the semester? Because really, I don't really remember when I was seven and what I learned. So, like, kind of talk about what you're planning on teaching these kids during the, the school year. So, obviously, I have to follow North Carolina curriculum because I am in a public school. Um, and so, I mean, English language arts is your typical reading, um, writing, phonics, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean... The thing um, that was kind of freaking me out at the beginning of the year, because I got hired as second grade and then was potentially being moved to third grade, um, which would have been fine and I would have adapted. But the thing is, is like second, like kindergarten to second grade, you're learning to read of this is what a letter is and this is what a word is and it goes into a sentence and how you read. Um, but then third through, I mean, the rest of your life is that you're reading to learn that you can sit and you can look at that information and understand and comprehend and like apply it. Um, that that's like one of the big things that it was like, Oh, that's a big jump. But, um, so yeah, talking about, yeah, talking about words and how to read and break down vocabulary and, you know, this is what a caption is and how it helps you <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, talking about, adding and subtracting you don't really get into multiplication and division which I'm excited about because fractions still kind of scare me even though I'm 22 <laughs> um but all of that and time and money and science we talk about weather for a really long time and like the different states of matter 
and social studies unfortunately does not have that much history which makes me kind of sad because that's like my jam um but we do talk about some economics so i can bring in stuff that i learned from senior year with roads um this past year in my internship we actually did market day which was so awesome because the kids got to like talk about being um consumers and like what they'd like to buy and talk about how they'd like to price things and they got to like make their own things to sell and so then each kid got a certain amount of tickets so then it's also supply and demand like just trying to take things and like make them understandable for like a tiny person versus a high school senior but still talking about those same things um and just community one of the things that i think will be the most interesting for social studies this year is talking about the three branches of government in an election year um so that will be something <laughs> that i will look forward to um what else i mean and then obviously like Elementary school has specials or encore, whatever you want to call it, of like PE, music, art, computers, all that kind of stuff too. That I, I'm not necessarily doing that, but those people will be coming into my classroom to teach all that kind of stuff, which will also be fun. And that'll be a good break because our school day is going to be shortened. So it's like, I was planning out my schedule yesterday and it is like math, science, reading, <laughs> you know, like they don't have a lot of time to breathe and, um, so just trying to figure out how to make things absorbable is that i don't know if that's a good word but like it can be a word it can be a word um of like they're taking it in and they're actually like understanding it i'm not just like shouting words at them and they're like yeah i get it you know <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think it's interesting because math is one of the things that i was so terrified and that upset me for the longest time like when i was going through school and then it's like my favorite thing to teach now. So it is interesting how that kind of turns around. But um, yeah, I mean, I really love the second grade curriculum. So we'll see how that yeah, changes throughout the year with pacing and having to keep up with that schedule and online and everything else. But honestly, hearing you talk about that stuff reminded me of a couple of things that happened in second grade that I probably have not thought of in decades. Like I remember <laughs> when we learned how to tell time, which I know how to do it ahead of time, no big deal. Uh, but I remember doing that like in class. Uh, so that's that definitely brings back a memory. And then some of like the stuff where we did, we had our little market thing too, where like kids would like bring in stuff to like sell. And like if you were good and did like your class jobs, you got like tickets or like dollars throughout the year and you could like do that. So that's, I feel like we did that in third grade, but that's kind of pretty much what you were talking about. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. It is interesting though how people do things differently though. Cause like what you're talking about of like if you're doing class jobs and you're getting like paid for it um some teachers set up like a classroom economy as a part of their rules and um like reward system i guess which i feel like works better for older grades just because second graders don't quite understand the concept of money yet like they know what all the coins are but just the value of it and it's like okay well this thing actually symbolizes it's not like a thing you know um and especially going into where it's like i feel like cash is just not going to be used as much that they're just used to seeing their parents without a credit card you know that it's just a piece of plastic instead of paper and metal coins that they're not so used to it or time of a digital clock or you're looking on your phone or your ipad instead of an analog clock with numbers around it but it'll just it'll be interesting how to incorporate all that kind of stuff so i know you kind of actually mentioned this before we started taping but 
on our most recent podcast, one of our guests talked a lot about how Nas really helped her out through some tough times, like in high school. Uh, and you went to ECU, his alma mater, and uh, you said, mentioned that he helped you get the very prestigious uh, James and Connie Maynard scholarship, which congratulations, by the way, because that's a big deal for you, uh, which is similar to like the old North Carolina Teaching Fellows program. Uh, can you just like talk real quick about kind of the impact that Nas had for you, like when you were in high school? Yeah, so um, I was thinking about this earlier, actually, because I told you I was listening to that episode, but um, just thinking back to when we had, I think it was like curriculum night, I think that's what they called it, that everybody kind of set up in the cafeteria and you could kind of mill around. Um, I feel like I did that freshman or sophomore year with my mom, but we kind of made our way into the older classes um and so i was able to meet nas and it was like i met him and it was like i need to be in this man's class that is like he is just excited about what he's doing and um so i had him sophomore year for the holocaust and genocide studies class and then for both semesters at a push and i feel like a push is where i was really able to get to know him and like that he really became such a mentor for me because you know we were talking about like college and looking forward to all of that kind of stuff and it's funny because one of our first assignments in that class was like making a pennant for a college that we'd want to go to and I really wasn't like sure about things and it was like okay well I feel like I feel pretty confident about wanting to be a teacher and you know, Nas went to ECU and that's a really good teaching school. Maybe I'll get some brownie points if I do this. And so like, that's, I did ECU for my pennant flag. And then it was like, we started talking about things. And so he talked about um, Dr. Manning, who's the head of that Maynard program and um, got me connected with her. And then it was like, my mom and I came to visit and I absolutely fell in love with ECU and in love with Greenville. And it just like, it all clicked. And I don't know that I really would have taken the school so seriously if it hadn't been for him and I hadn't been for like getting connected with Dr. Manning and all these opportunities, um, which is super cool. And I don't know, I guess like through freshman year when my parents like moved me in and like dropped me off and were like, okay, we're heading back to Holly Springs. Like I, had a meltdown because I was just super freaked out about like I'm an only child so about being like on my own and being in a new area and you know I felt like safe in the dorm but it was just a lot all at once and like I remember texting him and he was like okay you need to chill out like this this is not a big deal like you are prepared it's gonna be great and I mean he just offered so much guidance about talking about a classroom and like a role model of like how to be an awesome teacher that it's like you think about it's like okay well who's your favorite teacher and I can go okay you know all these people and like I would put him at the very top and just building relationships and you know really caring about students and that's one of those big things that it's like through my entire time at ECU, it was like every class that I was in, every practicum, even if I was going in and like doing a spelling pretest with some kindergartner like that can't spell, um, like trying to get to know that kid in such a short amount of time because it's like if I better understand that kid and they know that I'm really trying to care about them, 
then they're going to want to do their very best that they can for me. Cause kids don't want to learn from people. I mean, nobody wants to learn or listen to people that they don't like. Like, <laughs> you know, if you've got a bad boss and it's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. But it's not something that you're excited about. And even if your boss, you know, if your boss is wonderful and they ask you to do something horrible, you're like, okay, I'll do it for you. And you know, I just think that that was like one of those huge takeaways. And I just, yeah, it, he was such an influential person on me becoming a teacher, going to ECU, this whole thing. And, um, like his parents have been so awesome and supportive too. Like, I they've, his mom has reached out to me and, um, has just offered words of wisdom and support as well to just knowing about going through all of this. One of his, old teachers and coaches from Jack Brett. I was able to meet him at the funeral. And so I actually interviewed for a job with him and um, got some really great information from him that it just, the number of people that were so like affected and impacted by him, I feel like is just a testament to like how awesome of a teacher that he was. And that's the kind of teacher that I want to be is like just kind of <laughs> the sum up of all of that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I, I still have, like, my green bracelet and everything. Like, I wear it every day, and that's just kind of, like, a little reminder for me, and I mean, I've had kids ask me, like, oh, Miss Carlos, why are you wearing that? Like, it doesn't match your outfit, and I'm like, okay, well, here, like, let's talk about this, like, how awesome teachers are, and, you know, like, the bite-sized version, but I mean, just trying to take that and be that kind of person in the world, too. Yeah, that's a, that's a great summary. Uh, I don't, it's hard to top that. That was a very sincere, great answer. I don't have anything better to say about that than to say that get used to a long time of kids commenting on the clothing that you wear. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, that, that hasn't caused me to dress any better, but it, uh, it's certainly something that I've gotten used to hearing. Yeah, I had a girl in my uh, internship class that I wore my hair down one day and she's like, Miss Carlos, I like your hair better up. Your face looks weird with it down. And I was like, okay, <laughs> thanks. Wow. I was feeling kind of good about myself today, but thank you. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Oh, they roast you. It is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So, so is that is that roasting? Is that making you question whether or not you should have maybe gone like the high school or middle school route, or like, oh, God, are no. you okay <laughs> with staying in elementary? Oh yeah, because middle school kids are known for being so nice. About oh everything. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Uh -uh. My roommate last year um, was middle school and the stuff that she would come home and tell me that like her kids were saying to her, I was like, oh my God, how could, like, aren't you hurt by that? <laughs> you know, it's like that little girl said that to me and I was like, oh, thanks. You know, like I'll just wear my hair up for the rest of the week because that kind of <laughs> hurt, but it's fine. But um, no, I, middle school is certainly not for me. I did think, and I, I have kind of thought about it, that it's like, if I go back for a master's, then I think, I don't know, maybe I'd like to do something with like high school history, social studies or English, because that's awesome too. I love that. Um, but yeah, nothing can top a seven-year-old like burning you. <laughs> um, and actually like over internship, I mean, there's just a lot of things that happened that it was like, okay, this is the only thing that would happen in a classroom of these kids. And so I had like a Twitter thread going of like, here's something weird that happened in my internship today. And 
there's some good stories in there that I won't forget anytime soon, but just really weird kids. <laughs> I love them to death, but really weird kids. You should have come to school the next day with your hair like up in a bun and then just glared this girl directly in the eye and then just dropped your hair and just like said, what? Just like right in her face. <laughs> Drop the mic right there. Next time. And if you just like swung your hair and just like <laughs> her in the face with that. You obviously can't do that now because you, you're going to be like six feet long if that's to work. But uh, you have to be Rapunzel. But just for next time, maybe something like that. It is funny because another story that I had with that girl was like right at the beginning of second semester, like my mom came over and visited and like we went out to breakfast. And so we're sitting at the table and I like looked over and I was like, oh, that's one of my students. And so I like waved at her and her mom recognized me because I had met her at open house and like talked with her about some things. This girl walks by me, I say, hi. She looks at me, runs out, and I was like, okay, cool. And then the next day, like we're sitting at lunch and she comes and sits next to me and goes, Miss Carlos, can I sit next to you? No, you ran away from me. You didn't say hello. No. <laughs> like, well, I was, I was nervous. Your mom was there. Well, so was your mom. Your mom said hi to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, kids. Or so one last question we have for you about uh, kind of classroom stuff. Uh, I know that I've thought a lot about like, especially the last few months, how to like incorporate different perspectives into my class. Uh, like, have you thought a lot about how you can kind of make your classroom kind of a, a place of more like diverse ideas and stuff? Yeah, so that's something that we really talked about a lot in our junior and senior classes. Um, I had a really awesome professor for our social studies methods class in junior year. So shout out to Dr. Cheetah. Um, she was awesome um, in talking about how to incorporate those kinds of things. And one of the things that they really hammered home for us was like diverse literature of looking at your classroom library. And there's, there's like an infographic out there and they update it every year of like, how many books are animals, white kids, black kids, you know, um, like Asian Pacific Islander. There's all the different categories and all the different um, percentages that as you go down, then the illustrations of them get smaller, but they're not seeing themselves in that literature. And so like, I don't know, the big, I don't want to go like full nerd on this, but like the, the big overarching term of that is windows and mirrors and like sliding glass doors of you can have a window where you're looking into somebody else's world, or you can have a mirror that you're seeing somebody that looks like you or a sliding glass door of you're stepping into this like fictional world. So like if I'm reading a book about aliens, like that's not real unless you're like a conspiracy theorist but that would be like a glass door that I'm like stepping through into that world that it's like fake or whatever but if I'm reading a book about like an American Girl doll book when I was growing up that was like my jam then that's a mirror for most of them because they're white girls and then you know but if I had um like one of my students who's black read a book that didn't look like him then he's seeing all these pictures and portrayals of characters that don't look like him. And it's like, you start to wonder that it's like, oh, well, I'm, am I not as valuable as those characters because I'm not seeing myself? Or if they're seeing themselves, then it's in kind of those quote unquote, like stereotypical roles of like talking about, talking about Black History Month or like the civil rights movement. And those big events, that get spotlighted instead of seeing those people as people. <laughs> um, 
that are doing everyday things and you know can be portrayed as like a normal character in a book so that's something that i feel like i've really tried to think about with my classroom library not that they will be able to use it because corona um but for read alouds and things like that but just talking about all those different perspectives and um like when it comes to history and we're talking about different community leaders that it's talking about well when you look and read something about them then who's writing the story like what biases might they have like that's kind of a big thing too of talking about um like reliability um kind of links into all of that too because it's like if you have a certain perspective on something that's going to slant how you're writing about it and um i don't know one of the things that i was reading over the summer that just kept popping up is there's a book that's called like why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria um that is a lot of the research and kind of systems behind it um and just different ways that kind of like racism kind of sneaks its way into the classroom and that was really interesting to think about because a lot of the statistics um are about you know like disciplinary action too of that like black children are more likely to get harsher punishments than like a white child would which then it was like i was kind of reading that and i was thinking about like internship and it's like oh yeah i wow maybe i did do that you know and trying to like check those boxes in my brain that it's like now going forward and thinking about those things and it's like if i go to do that then it's like okay well why am i thinking this way or making this assumption you know and i think that like that's hard to do and like reading those kinds of things it's like oh well i didn't feel like i don't know like you don't want to say you're racist but like <laughs> um taking those kinds of things into account i feel like makes you a better teacher and especially in the political climate social climate now that's coming about which is awesome then you know you're kind of reevaluating yourself and your teaching practices because everybody can continue to learn no matter like how awesome of a teacher you are how many years you've been teaching all of those kinds of things i think that it's just yeah trying to figure out ways to keep learning and keep growing in that way but um yeah just talking about community too of like and it kind of plays into corona of online stuff of like equal versus like equity that's a big thing that we talked about too that it's like equal means that everybody is getting the same thing whereas equity is people getting what they need um that that's a big idea and that's kind of hard to talk about with young children but i did i did see this thing the other day that it was like if you have like if we're sitting in class and I'm your teacher then it's like I ask you okay well Rhodes pretend like you have an injury where do you need a bandaid my elbow my arm <laughs> so then I I come over and I put a bandaid on your elbow and so then I go okay well well where do you need a bandaid where's your injury my my kneecap Okay, so, but instead of putting it on your kneecap, I put it on your elbow. And I do that for the same thing that even if kids tell me that they have an injury on their head or their torso or their arm or whatever, I continue to put it on their elbow. And then it's like, okay, well, everybody got a Band-Aid, but they didn't get it where they need it. And so it's like, I feel like that's a good way to like represent that to kids. And so then that's helpful for talking about like different um like ability levels and learning styles and then thinking about like online learning kids with different resources than other kids like all of that kind of stuff it all like <laughs> comes together in the pot and i feel like 
me talking about all of this is a little all over the place. So you might need to cut this in a way that makes better sense. Or if I need to clarify, like, let me know. Um, no, that, was, that was a fantastic analogy. I just think Rhodes was very confused about whether or not he was actually supposed to answer that question. No, no, we're good now. But no, that actually <laughs> was a great analogy. And uh, I think that there's lots of adults that don't understand that, let alone like lots of kids. Uh, and just from your very thoughtful answer all around, it seems like you definitely have thought a lot about how to make your classroom like an equitable place. So I think that's, that's great to hear for your, for all of your future students you're going to have in the future. Um, I think right now that we're going to transition to some, maybe some teaching hypotheticals, Will, if you want to start us off. Yeah. So we're, we're going to, you've had a lot of good advice so far and we really appreciate that, but now we're going to put you, you know, into the hot seat. And we're going to throw out some potential situations that you might or might not see as a first-year teacher. And we want you to tell us how you would react to it. And then we might add in maybe how we would potentially handle that situation. So I hope you're ready. Yeah. So the, the first question that we have for you, the first situation that we have for you is, uh, and usually this doesn't happen in a high school setting, and maybe it will happen with you. Uh, but what would you do if a kid won't stop playing on their phone during class? So <laughs> this happened in my internship class. So basically, um, I think the first thing that would need to be done is following our consequence hierarchy, which I developed yesterday. So like talking about like a warning and saying, okay, we'll put this away or, um, like my next level is taking a point because we do a house system. I don't know if y'all know like the Ron Clark Academy. They have like a house system. It's like Hogwarts. It is so wild. Um, would highly recommend looking into that. It is ridiculous. But so every kid's in a house and so they can help earn points for their house and then they can get it. It's like Hogwarts. It's like Harry Potter. Um, but so I that's had... a really big deal for them that they don't want to lose points for their house. Um, so that would like be the next step. And then it's like, okay, well now we'll contact your parents. And so that's what happened last year was there was a kid in my class who had an, um, Apple watch and was texting with his mom during class, which I'm like, okay, first of all, like <laughs> your seven year old has an Apple watch, but fine. Um, and so my clinical teacher ended up messaging the mom and was like, please don't text your child during my classroom time and like sent her like the teacher handbook or like kids handbook on like technology policies, which she's like, I've never had to do in my years of teaching because we're in second grade. Like kids don't usually have this kind of technology in second grade, but I think that that would be the follow up. And then if it's, still an issue than maybe having like administration reach out and be like okay now look like re really this is not cool so that's my take <laughs> that's great advice my easy one is just throw it out the window that's what i started doing last year we're both on the second floor so we would have the same impact roads if we yeah. we threw the phones out the window throw it out the window far as you can uh, all right, next one. This is something that actually happened to me. Probably less likely to happen in the second grade classroom, but what would, you, what would you do if a kid gave you a Nazi salute? Um, I think that that would be an important time to talk about our classroom values of being kind and respectful to others and that people can have their own opinions, but that is something that we 
are not going to do in our classroom. And then I could talk about it with the kids separately and potentially the parent, because I feel like things don't happen in a vacuum when it comes to things like that, about why that would be inappropriate for school and in life. <laughs> I mean, God, that happened? That did happen, my first year teaching. So, so what did you do, Rhodes? Yeah, please. Um, I just went to administrator. I was like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Told the kid to sit in the hallway, told the administrator got there. I was like, we're this, we don't need to like talk about this. This is just like not a thing I'm going to deal with. Sounds so wild. Was that, was that during your first year of teaching or during that six month where you were like a student teacher? No, that, that, that was during my first year of teaching. Okay. That, that spring. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever had any freshman pull that with me so but I probably would have handled it the same way as you Rhodes go in the hallway yeah I'm gonna get an administrator and we'll figure this out in a little bit but go outside leave my leave my classroom right away leave my area <laughs> so so the next one Alex for you is we're gonna pretend this is not during a global pandemic but what would you do if a student threw up on another student during class <laughs> um well, I think that my first thing would be to call a custodian and <laughs> yikes. Um, I haven't done my training on what is it like the bloodborne pathogens and yeah. stuff like that. Doesn't that like fall into that category? <laughs> I don't I, know. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. Um, I can't remember. We haven't done ours in a year, so I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, call a custodian. Last and it's like, okay, let's let's pause. Let's get somebody to look at my like watch after my kids while we take care of this because right now we're not getting any learning done while somebody has vomit on them. That oh, I don't even I, I don't like the it's idea. A tough one. It is a tough one. Yeah. Rhodes, have you have you ever had somebody throw up in your class, whether it's on a student or not? Yes, I had a student who was perhaps under the influence of something. Uh, walked into class like 10 minutes late after lunch, like was like looking just like super dazed and then just like army crawled three feet on the floor to a garbage can just like threw up like while I was talking and I was just like <laughs> 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 Thanks man So <laughs> the trash can though. So what I did is I just threw his phone out the window just like before and that just that oh. made me feel better at least uh I just put the entire trash can in the hallway. Actually, no, I think I probably changed trash cans with McConnell just trying just to get him. <laughs> Before he recognized, why does it smell so bad in here? I was like, I'm not having that in my classroom. I'm good on that. No. Yikes. Um, all right, next one. This happened to me while I was student teaching. What would you do if you called a student up to the board to like give an answer? And instead of putting the correct answer, they drew a very inappropriate picture that perhaps could have been part of a human anatomy on the board instead. Um, <laughs> well, I feel like that's not, well, I was going to say, I feel like that's not as likely with second grade, but with some kids, maybe. Um, I feel like that's something that it's like, okay, we erase it. You go out in the hallway. Let's have a conversation about this because we're not doing that during class time. That is not appropriate for school. I, yikes. Um, Are they losing points for that for their house? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like boom points points off the table <laughs> yeah I feel like yeah oh I yeah I don't 
really have an answer for that one. I, I really like this Hogwarts system, but I don't know like if we can implement it so successfully at the high school level. I feel like you could, because the thing is they take it and so it's not like you don't put the hat on it, it's sorts you. Like the way that they do it at the school is when they're in kindergarten, they get to go into the auditorium and usually it's like a big assembly with the whole school, but they get a balloon and they get to pop it and whatever color it is, then like that's what house they are. But like I'm in a house, but not all of my students are in that same house. They're all in the other houses. And then that way the kids get to know each other across grade levels, which I feel like would still be good for high school of like, you know, freshmen that are and seniors that are in the same house and same with like kindergarten and fifth grade and they get to like build those relationships and with faculty which would be kind of cool to have like mentor teachers so outside. are you going to show favoritism towards kids in your house and be more and be less likely to take points away from them are you going to like be a mcgonagall and just like be such a homer for your for <laughs> i was just about to say i want to be a mcgonagall <laughs> i want to be fair <laughs> that's the right thing to do so I, I like the analogy that we're using. So we're going to transition to our next point or question. So if you're McGonagall and Professor Snape badmouths you to the entire faculty, what would you do? I think it would be important to go have a conversation with that person first, because if they have an issue with me, then they probably should have come to me in the first place instead of other people. But um if it's something that we can't solve amongst ourselves, then maybe that's something that administration would need to lend a hand to of talking about whatever they're like, like what problem do they have with me? Is it just me as a person or like my teaching or what? Because I think that that's important to context too. Based off the hypothetical, not real example, if they had a huge problem with how you taught your classroom or the fact that you didn't teach the exact same way that they did, which they thought was perfect. Again, hypothetically. Okay, well then, in that case, then, like, I would definitely go and talk to that person that it's like, okay, well, if we are teaching the same standards, and as long as my kids are achieving and, like, being successful in my version of teaching, then I don't see why you have a problem with me, but I am also willing to learn from you and implement some of your tactics to try and see if that helps my kids, too. I'm open to trying things because I'm a first year teacher and I don't want to make any enemies. That's a very, uh, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great outlook. Diplomatic, like, I don't know. If I, only, if I only had this interview to look at seven years ago, I would have been such a better first year teacher. a very diplomatic answer. You are definitely much more mature right now than I was when I started teaching, so probably on that. For sure, for sure. <laughs> I was so stubborn and I would have beat up Snape. Like I would have punched <laughs> Snape in the face my first year of teaching, no doubt about it. I don't know. I'm a people pleaser. That's part of it too. Is I'm like, I don't want anybody to be mad at me. <laughs> Please, let me just apologize and we'll all be friends. That's just my personality to begin with. So I think that's part of it too. All right, we got two more questions. Next okay. one. Let's say you give kids like an assignment to make their own little magazine or newsletter and the student happens to write multiple articles and like their whole magazine is about the circus, but many of their articles are about like circus mishaps where lots of people die, like mass casualty events at the circus. How would you handle that? Um, well, I think that if we're <laughs> creating newspapers, then I would hope that throughout the process, the kids are checking in with me for like proofreading and all of that kind of stuff because that's important it's part of the writing process that we teach in elementary school 
So hopefully I'd be able to catch it early. Um, I think that if that was something that they were, for whatever reason, very passionate about, <laughs> um, maybe we need to talk about why, um, why that's such an interest. But I don't know, circuses aren't like really a thing anymore. So maybe it'd be interesting for other kids to like hear about that kind of stuff, especially if it's like the old timey stuff and you could like do kind of a comparison of like, this is what used to happen, but now it's safer because we have technology. You could spin it, maybe. <laughs> so this is actually based off a real life example of something a kid in my elementary school did when they were in fifth grade. And that kid was me. <laughs> what? My parents got called to the school because the teacher was worried about me because I wrote a bunch of articles about people dying at the circus. But why? Why were you interested? Like, what was the starting point to then, like, get I to have no, I have no idea. Like, I've never been, like, a morbid... I was definitely not a morbid 10-year-old. Like, I wasn't, like, super into circuses. I never really liked animals. Like, I have no idea why a bunch of accidents at circuses were what I chose to write about or why I decided to do a circus magazine. Uh, but that's... That's the decision I made. So my parents are warned about my, you know, dark thoughts. <laughs> to be completely oh. clear, though, one of the activities that the kids had um, during online learning, like in March or whatever, we had them doing research projects about, like, different animals. And so they had to talk about whether it was, like, a carnivore or an omnivore or herbivore. And one of our kids got carnivore mixed up with cannibal and then one of the other kids that was on our zoom said when i grow up i want to be a cannibal or a robber it's going to be a hard life but i think i'll make it through so like kind of the same thing where it's like that was a kid that i was like wait what where did that come from so i mean i get it <laughs> it makes sense hopefully he turns out like you and normal i mean we'll see that's uh Rhodes, i thought i knew you so much better wow <laughs> Wow, you you circus freak! My goodness. All right, last last question before we go on to our our game segment for today's podcast podcast. But what would you do, Alex, if you were doing something? Whether you're doing a test in class, you're reading uh, something in class to the students, so it's pretty quiet in the classroom, and a student decides to do something inappropriate and make a loud noise or say something inappropriate to distract the class? I think that if it's in the middle of a quiet environment, then that would be, well, pre-corona, it would be like going over and like squatting down next to their desk and being like, okay, now look, like we can't do that right now. If you do it again, like we're gonna send you to another room because you can't be bothering people in here. Um, during corona, it might just be like writing a post-it note and being like, stop it like and stick it on their desk while i'm walking by um i don't i don't know because it's like if it's a serious situation like a test or something then you don't want that to be distracting but um another side story is i was teaching a reading group at one point that i had to record for a class and i had one little girl and like i still have the video and you can see her like lean over before she farts really loud so loud and all the kids just lose it and like I like you see her physically lean over to the side and I just had to sit there like okay so now let's get back to page eight like it just I wanted to lose it like y'all are now but it just it's it's hard <laughs> it's 
that's the, one of the, the, the funny thing is, is wrote, like we have it in the script of asking you what would happen if a kid farted in class. And I didn't want to ask it like just straight up. I was going to do it as like a follow-up question. And he just perfectly segued right into it. So that is fantastic. Just yeah. go on with your business. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, I still have that recording. And it's just like, okay, now, <laughs> really. You should definitely send that to that girl like 10 years later and just see what her response is. <laughs> You only met me four times when I came in to do this activity with your class, but also here's this video. Remember this? Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to take this opportunity to have an elementary school teacher here to play Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? In honor of having an elementary school teacher on, we are going to play Jeff Foxworthy's favorite game to see if either of you two are truly smarter than a fifth grader. We have five rounds, and in each round, I'll give the person going first a choice between two different categories, and their opponent will get the other question. All right, Alex, round one, the two categories are geography and math. Which question do you want? Um, like I said, I'm scared of fractions, but I'm scared of geography too. I guess I'll go with geography. All right. Your question is, what does latitude measure? Latitude is east to west. So what does it measure? Oh, degrees. <laughs> Do you mean like, okay, oh gosh. <laughs> I would have gotten this wrong too, so don't feel bad. Oh, what's it called? It's not like, okay, so it's not like North Pole, South Pole, Equator. It's like the Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn or something, right? Is that what you're looking for? I don't know. Um, I'm stressed now. Uh, Losing credibility. What, what's the actual answer, Rhodes? And then I, I, before it was the distance north or south of the equator. So it is like the east-west lines that measures like oh, yeah. how far north or south of the equator you are. Um... <laughs> You came east-west, though, right? So that, like, that's... No, but they're the lines that go east-west, but they measure distance north or south of the equator. So you got, like, the directions of the line, right? Okay. The equator, so we'll give you the point for that. Uh, okay. We'll give you the, uh, <laughs> the yes point for that. All right, Will, your math question is, Amy has a box with 24 chocolates. If she gives one-third of the chocolates to her mom and a quarter of the chocolates to her brother, how many chocolates does she have left? A third and a quarter? Yeah, she has 24, 24 chocolates. She gives a third to her mom and a quarter to her brother. How many chocolates does she have left? Ten. Ten is correct. Ooh, that was quick. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I can do math in my head. All right. Tied at one after round one. Will, you have the choice in round two. Your two categories for round two are spelling or biology. Uh, I was going to ask Alex, like, what – which one she's not good at because she said she wasn't good at geography and then I had a good math one. So uh, let's go, you said spelling and... Spelling and biology. Well, we both know, me and you, Rhodes, both know I can't spell worth a damn. So let's go with the other one. This is actually more just regular science and biology, but whatever. Uh, when magma or lava cools, what type of rock is formed? Oh my God. Is this really a fifth grade question? Yes. Oh, gosh. Types of rocks, bro. Oh, man. 
when lava uh the only like for whatever reason the only thing that's coming to my mind is quartz and i don't know why and i feel like that's the wrong answer but we just had an earthquake in north carolina the other day well technically it was virginia and i've just been hearing a lot of quartz so that's the only thing in my head is quartz alex you want to help him out yeah is it igneous igneous is the correct answer yeah, <laughs> correct but yeah, there was there was no way I was getting that. The only rock was quartz, so in my mind. It's sedimentary and something. Metamorphic? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, sure, sure, right. yep. So your round two question, and I'll use it in a sentence afterward, is you need to spell the word rhythm. Using it in a sentence is, you had to display a lot of rhythm when you used to star in the Holly Springs uh, dance. Uh, Recitals, I don't know the right word for it. <laughs> Which that's funny because um I was a dancer but not at Holly Springs. Oh, awkward. Yeah, chorus, yeah. But, yeah so yeah. that's what I thought. Because like I, I knew you were a dancer, but I was like, I thought you did chorus too. And yeah. I wasn't sure you could do both. So all right, that makes sense then. Got it. Either one. Okay, rhythm. Uh rhythm. <laughs> I gotta do okay. Okay, R H Y T H M. Rhythm. That is correct. <laughs> After two rounds, you have a two-one lead, and in round three, you get to choose first. Your two categories. What the are three. Oh God! Hey, honestly, though, first. I no. I'm just saying. Honestly, I probably would have spelled that wrong. So I'm glad <laughs> that she spelled it right because I would just <laughs> seem like such an idiot. So I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. That's what I got out of my first grade spelling bee on like the third word. So I was kind of nervous about that, but. All right. Okay. You're around three categories, social studies or health. Social studies. All right. Social studies is what was the first permanent European settled colony in the United States? Jamestown. That is correct. <laughs> what? Three, oh one, my gosh. Oh. All right. Well, <laughs> your health question. Blank is the mineral in milk that helps build strong bones and prevents osteoporosis. Vitamin D. No. What, what did you ask? Blank is the mineral in milk that helps build strong bones and prevents oh, osteoporosis. Oh, calcium. Uh, we, gave, we gave Alex the first one. We'll give you that yeah. one. Those are both like the whatever ones. So Alex, pull up three to two through round three. All right, round four, Will, you have the first... Uh, First choice, music or PE? <sighs> I'm actually a little concerned about where the music question would be for a fifth grader. So I'm going to go with PE because right. I feel like I'll do a lot better with a fitness question right now. Yeah, you're definitely going to get this one. I am curious to know if you would have gotten the music question right. PE, how many laps around a generic track do you have to run to have run a mile? Four. That is correct. <laughs> Thank you. The one thing I know is how to run around a track. So thank right. you so much. Music, Alex. How many counts does a dotted half note receive? A dotted half note is three. That is correct. Well, <laughs> did you know that? No, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. So after four rounds, Alex is up four to three. 
round five. Do you, want, do you get to choose first? We're going to let Will guess first. That way it's first. So which category do you want? And I'll give Will the other category. So we have world history or spelling. <laughs> um, I'm going to be so bad at both. I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with world history because Will said that he's also a bad speller. So even if I get it wrong, then maybe we'll tie. Wait, so you want world history for yourself? Yes. All right, please. so Will, I'm going to give you the spelling word first here. The word you need to spell is disappoint. Oh, yeah, I'm glad I don't have that one. I can't spell that. <laughs> you will disappoint all of your fans if you lose this competition by not being able to spell the word disappoint. I'm so pissed, <laughs> This sucks so bad. I got oh, people with Alex. a grade spelling list. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's one that I need autocorrect for. I really... <laughs> all right. Well, D-I-S-A-double-P... O-I-N-T is how I would spell it, and that's what I'm going to go with. And I already feel like I've misspelled it because of the way you're looking at me, Rhodes. Unfortunately, for me, you've gotten it correct. Yeah! Right. <laughs> Woo! Let's go! So we are tied at four. This question is for the game right here, world history. Who was the Soviet leader who was in power during World War II? That would be Joseph Stalin. For the win, that is correct. Yeah! <laughs> Congratulations, Alex. You are not only smarter than a fifth grader, you are also smarter than Will is. Woo! I, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. That's not a great accomplishment for anybody to beat <laughs> me in these competitions. Just saying, but Alex, congratulations to you. Way to beat me in the competition. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I think through going perfect in that contest through all of how you handled the challenging situations we threw at you flawlessly and for seriously all the thought you put into teaching and the maturity level that surpasses what me and will have being tender <laughs> with you uh i think you are definitely ready uh to begin your teaching career thank you we wish you a lot of luck even though you know i, I don't even think you need it at this point you, you, you're gonna be just fine I, um, i'll take it I'll, I'll still take the luck <laughs> just store it Oh, you're definitely more prepared for your first teaching job than me and Rhodes were. So as first year teachers, like, you know, we really didn't have as much experience, you know, going into it as you've been able to have over the last four years. So uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, how your first school year goes for you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And thanks for taking a lot of time out of your busy planning schedule to, to talk to us today. No, it's today. Today was a lazy day. <laughs> today, today was a break day. So this is good. This is fun. Thank you. That's good. That, that's one of the things I learned from my cooperating teacher McConnell is he taught me a lot about how to, to relax and do nothing. Uh, even like during class sometimes, like for days on end, just pop in a movie and just like, yeah, yeah, take some new time sometimes. Don't let your administration hear that. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what he taught me. Like whether that's good advice or not, that's, just, that's what McConnell taught me. Magic school bus for me. Ooh. Do they make do they make new episodes of that, or is it still like the same Magic School Bus from like when I was a kid? They have um, the new ones on Netflix that are like more animated. That um, what's her name? Miss Frizzle. No, Kate McKinnon is Miss oh. Frizzle, <laughs> which like also a great choice. If anybody was gonna follow up um, Lily Tomlin, then I feel like Kate McKinnon can do it. So they're pretty good. I watched them with my babysitting kids. <laughs>
maybe I'll check that out if I need a, a break. Yeah, there's, there's, there's my Netflix recommendation for everybody. <laughs> the new Perfect. Magic School Bus. All right. Well, thank you very much for, for talking to us today. We appreciate Alex coming on and giving us her uh, evaluation of how to handle those weird situations and some of her feedback on what she's looking forward to when she comes and starts her uh, first teaching job in the next week. But coming up next, we will keep the back to school theme going as we draft the most important things to have in a classroom next. Back to school, back to school to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. Okay, so this is a draft that can go in a number of different directions. Uh, well, we may not be preparing our classrooms for students next week. Um, that's right, the first day of stu for students was supposed to be a week from today. We still have a lot of opinions about what the most important things to have in a classroom are. Uh, Will, your classroom is definitely a bit different than mine uh, concerning the subjects you teach, so I'm curious to see how that informs your picks, but you have the first choice today. So what is the most important thing that you want to have in your classroom? So before, like, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really prep for this draft. And, be, and the reason why is because it could obviously go like two different ways. So first off, before I draft, are we talking about like going into our classroom during this COVID-19 pandemic and starting like right now, two weeks in the current environment, climate? Or are we talking about like normal circumstances? I was kind of thinking like normal generally. Okay. All right. So, because that's going to change my, my thought process a little bit. Um, but the most important thing for me has been you have to have a fan or multiple fans in your classroom because I don't know how it's on your side of the hallway, but my classroom gets hot as it is burning hot in my class. And it doesn't help when you've got 30 computers on and just burning heat because those fans in those computers don't really work and all the kids are miserable they're sweating they just hate life in my classroom so you have to have fans in my class in order to have a successful day so i'm going to go with fans so you can control the ac a little bit um, beyond what the school allows you to do that's not something i thought of really at all um, i do love making the joke that when kids ask say it's so hot in here i go like oh it's just me <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to start singing uh, some Nelly for me. No, that's not. <laughs> um, so for me, is actually my first pick is going to be something that you actually have a, an abundance of in your classroom. Uh, and a couple of years ago, we actually got a bunch more of these for our rooms. And that's actually made a pretty big difference in what we're able to do. Uh, so I'm going to put just like for my class, like the most important thing to have is just like computers, like laptops, like technology. So I'll, I'll make it be computers what I write down, but like since we got those 10 extra computers per classroom, like that really has made a big difference in what we're able to do in class, like having that many more computers. I do agree that just based off like where society is and where we transitioned from, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, I was, I was hanging out with Miller, uh, I think two nights ago, and he brought up the point, like what would schools do if this pandemic would have hit 10 years ago? Like, if you think about it, honestly, like if, if kids didn't have access to technology and we were in the middle of a pandemic 10 years ago, like kids wouldn't be learning. So I do agree that having computers or access to, to, access to technology is definitely a plus. So you probably just won the draft with that. Um, but, you know, I kept it off of my draft board because I already have 29 computers. But way to, way to stick that in there, man. Way, way to 
get that answer. No problem. All right. My next one is something that's super important to me also. Um, back when I started teaching, you know, I was on my feet the whole time. Like I thought it was important to be walking around the room the whole time. You know, I'm not a kid anymore. I can't just be, you know, on my feet for eight hours a day. Like I just, my back can't handle that. My feet, my, my old man body just can't handle that. So the next biggest thing for me is like a comfortable chair. And I have like multiple comfortable places that I like to sit in my classroom. Like I have a great chair behind my desk, which is way too small, but it just leans back just nice. I have a nice, you know, I have Nas's old throne too. Just like comfortable chairs for me is just a must have for a classroom. Whew. That's, that's a, that's a good pick. Um, I used to have a computer chair in my house that I was like, you know what, I'm taking it to school because I'm going to use that and sit in it because I'm going to feel a lot better about teaching uh, every single day if I can be in a comfortable situation. So whew, that is a that is a tough follow up, man. All right. Well, you know what, let's just go. Let's go with the direction I think that I'm going to go. Um, my next pick and I have two things, so it's probably going to be two different picks, but I don't like having to walk from my classroom to the teacher lounge to be able to go get my food or to, you know, take a water or a Gatorade or other drink, whatever it is, out of the fridge to be able to consume it or take my food and consume it from there. So I'm going to go with a two-part answer. I wish it was like a combo maybe that I could put together, but I'm going to go with a fridge, a mini fridge, and microwave. Okay. Um, yeah, the fridge, honestly, going back and forth from the workroom to your classroom is so annoying. That's actually why I started drinking last year, like room temperature Gatorade. I just had like a 36-pack of Gatorade in my classroom. It's like having to walk and put it in the fridge and walk and get it back, which is too much for me. So that's why I started just not doing that and putting it in the fridge. And as you know, I don't microwave foods. So that's not really an issue for me for lunch. Um, but I can see how that would also be annoying doing all of that. Like you cut out a lot of unnecessary workroom trips. And I think that that's definitely a positive. And I, and I know we're not supposed to technically like eat in the classroom. I think that was something that was like a big thing. Like, obviously you shouldn't be eating while you should be teaching, but it does cut out a lot of time. And if you're really hungry, if you really need to eat, it's right there, you can heat it up and you're good to go. You don't even have to leave the, leave the classroom and you're able to, to still keep an eye on your students. So I wish that was like a combo answer. I know you're not going to give it to me as a combo, uh, but I am gonna, I'm going to keep my, keep my pick. Yeah, I would have given you like a fridge and freezer as a combo. I don't know too many uh, combination microwave fridges that exist, uh, even, though, even though there might be connected in dorm rooms. Um, all right, for my third pick, I'm going to pick something that like the few times this has gone out while I'm a teacher, it's been a total disaster. Uh, and so that's like having a working projector. Like if your projector blows, that's everything we do requires kids to see what's on my computer screen. So that's just like a total nightmare. So you have to have like a, an, a good projector. And I had a really bad one for a couple of years, like where it's like there's lights flashing in the bottom corners and always like turned off randomly. Now that I've had a good one for two years, like, man, I, I can never go back to having a bad one again. Ooh, I, I think I'm losing this draft because I'm approaching it from the most important things really for me because I'm selfish as a human being and as a teacher and I don't care about my students and how they learn in my classroom. Uh, but you obviously are going the route of what's the best benefit to your students in their learning environment. So I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm super excited to hear what your fourth pick is because maybe this is something I should look forward to during uh, this remote learning that's going to happen this semester. 
Uh, well, I will say the last two picks are for me also. Like the comfortable chair is just for me, not for the kids. And the projector, like if that breaks, like I'm in trouble too. Like it's it gets pretty awkward in there pretty quickly. So that's that's okay. all. I, I thought you were like throwing me under the bus. Like, hey, selfish guy, I'm gonna think about the students. Yeah, no, no, no. These, these are not these, myself. All right. Um, whew. my last pick. You know what? I'm just gonna say it. Uh, I, we already talked about this at the start of the podcast about how much I hate chalk and chalkboards. So just like having a whiteboard, having ample, having a lot of whiteboard space, like I like having whiteboards. Like you can never have too much whiteboard space. There's always like something cool you can do with them. Uh, and just having a whiteboard instead of a chalkboard, it's just, it's awesome. I realized I had to go to a school that was like built in like the 1960s to find one that had actual chalkboard still, but I still really appreciate having a whiteboard. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I use, I use the whiteboard a lot. Uh, I have a smart board as well that I try to use, especially during soccer season uh, when we're, we're, you know, evaluating teams and we're doing some video stuff, but um, a whiteboard goes a long way. It's easy to manage. It's easy to clean. Um, and it's just so way more convenient than all that freaking chalk. So I definitely agree with that pick. All right. You have one last pick. So I have I have two ways that I, I I'm thinking in my head, all right, and I, I really want to go with like the basic answer. So the, my my basic answer would be having, and this is not my actual answer. This is not going on Twitter, but my basic answer would be pens and freaking pencils because it is so aggravating when a kid comes up to me and is like, Mr. Will, Coach Will, Will. J-Dub, whatever they call me on that day, I don't have a pencil. Can I have one? It's like, dude, how hard is it for you to have a freaking mechanical pencil or some extra pencils every single day? And then they ask me the following day. It's like, dude, you just lost the pencil that you stole from me the day before. So that bothers me. But the thing I'm going to go with is I hate mess and I hate trash and I hate clutter. It is not difficult for you as a human being to throw your trash and to recycle your stuff in the trash and the recycle bin. So I'm going to go with, because I hate when kids throw their trash on top of a desk and leave it there because they're worthless or they're lazy. I'm going to go trash and recycling bin because technically that's like a combo package. I think that I can use, right? Yeah, I'm good with that. That's a great pick. I actually stole a second recycling bin a couple years ago, so I've had two in my classroom for a while. And that honestly does drive me crazy. Like, it, you don't – who just, like, leaves all of their food out? Like, when they leave it, like, just pick up after yourself. Throw away your stuff. Like, I'm not your mother. I am your teacher – or father. I'm your teacher. It's not my job to clean up after you and, like, garbage you leave out every day. Like, that's not, that's not asking a whole lot. Yeah, like – That does drive me crazy. Like I, I could get even more heated, but it's like, dude, what do you do at your own home? Like if I was your mother or your father, I would just be so pissed off all the time that that's how you treat your own house. Like, dude, just throw it in the trash can. It's, it's literally, especially now if we're going to be in COVID. We're going to be six feet apart. If we ever go back to, to classrooms, like there shouldn't be that much trash. Just throw it away. Please just throw it away or recycle it. That's all I ask. So please, for those that are listening, vote for me because it's the most important thing, trash cans and recycling bins. Yes, real sanitary classroom is definitely important uh, nowadays. And again, you can vote on Twitter at marketing underscore HSHS. 
uh, at this point, I think that we are having one more podcast this week, which we're going to take before Will leaves town on Tuesday. We're going to take that Tuesday morning, and that's going to come out Thursday like usual. So uh, if you want to be prepared for the podcast that's coming out Thursday, maybe make sure to be caught up on Big Brother. And we might be talking about that a little bit uh, before we talk to our guest on Thursday. Exactly. If you guys did not know, me and Rhodes are really big Big Brother fans. And we decided that we're going to bring a little bit of the Big Brother fun into our podcast segment. So we're going to definitely talk about, recap the week, maybe prep or think about what's going to happen the, the following week. And we really look forward to that. So hopefully you guys enjoy uh, our next podcast, but we appreciate it. See you guys on the next episode. Moms go home. <laughs>